0: Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and Stephanie Burke. I I gotta remember to start saying your name first, since you don't have like a nickname or...
1: I know, you're gonna come up with a really good one.
0: We need like some sort of uh, fake title that doesn't mean anything, (laughs) or like, what what could we call you? Like the director of something.
1: Well, let's figure it out. Yeah,
0: well, we've got time. Plenty of time. And, uh, and, of course, uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. The gang's all back together for the first time in a long time. It seems like, uh, when was the last time that we all did a show together? Like 2005?
1: Sounds about right. I was still in high school.
0: Well, Moniz <laughs> has been all over the place. We had a Legend Trips event. Uh, we were bumped off the air last week for the Red Sox, but we're back. And uh, we did have a great discussion last week with Bob Ethier whose book Angels to Aliens uh, has now made its debut, and we're working on trying to make a podcast out of the audio. What happened was, Moniz, you weren't here, so I'll explain to you. I can look at you and explain to you and the audience by proxy. Uh, but uh, what happened was we, the Red Sox went late because of a rain delay, so we tried to pull the audio just off the cameras. We just broadcast on Spooky TV and tried to pull the audio just off the cameras. We're great. When we were at Jeff Belanger's birthday party, yeah, but it didn't seem to work so well uh, here last week. So we're working on trying to fix that up, and then we'll have that out as a podcast, as well as the uh, Belanger Backyard podcast. As well, we have to do we have to work on that one too. Matt, I see you unplugging things. I know, I know. What's well, that's not good.
2: We're doing okay though. It's Just one that's kind of finicky.
0: Okay, it's a, it's a okay. camera though, not the it's audio. A camera, sure. All right. I'm okay, if it's my okay. camera. Why? You're the only one of us that people actually want to look at. I don't know. Maybe I'm, not tonight. I'm convinced you used mind bullets. To, uh... You're sabotaging the camera <laughs> Why with is your second my abilities? camera that's not oh, working? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have our guest actually research the, into that yeah, and yeah. see if that's even possible. See,
1: now that's not fair. You're going to turn yours back to you.
3: I'll take this one. Wait. All right, we're, we're good.
0: No, we'll, just, we'll keep messing around until we figure it out. Uh, but that is on Spooky TV. Uh, now, Spook- now
2: Moni's in HD... Well, (laughs) let's go back the other way. way.
0: So if uh, if you are listening at home and you want to check out the show and what's going on in the studio, Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com is the way to do it. We record a video version of the show and we put it up on YouTube uh, in addition to the regular podcast and, of course, the good old-fashioned live radio broadcast, which we encourage you to come back each and every week because we're excited for this month. This is what we're calling Psychic September. Because we're exploring the world of psychic abilities and mediumship abilities here on the show for the next couple of weeks. Tonight, our guest is Bob Olson. He is an afterlife investigator and a psychic medium researcher. He's somebody that Stephanie has had the opportunity to meet in person. I have. And uh, and have conversations with. And she was telling me what a great guest he would make for the show. And serendipity, he contacted us to come on the program. Which
1: is awesome. I'm actually really excited about this show tonight.
0: So uh, we'll get into that coming up in the next hour with Bob Olson. We'll talk to him about uh, how he started researching psychics and and putting them to the test. And he's created a website, bestpsychicsdirectory.com, as well as bestpsychicmediums.com. And we have all of his websites linked up on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com if you want to check them out during the program. Uh, I did search for some past guests on the best psychic directory. Did you? Yeah, some of them are on there, some of them are not. Uh, some of them have uh, yet to make a, yet to be rated by anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, some of them are on there. Uh, Christine Corda, who we had on just a few months ago, she was up there. I saw her as one of the featured psychics on the side there. So it's a, it's a great resource for sure. It's
1: definitely I I remember years ago, I I found the website and um, long before I even touched the paranormal anything. And I found it fascinating that somebody would actually do something like that. And Bob's history and his backstory is actually really, really interesting. So I think it, it has a lot to do with how he even started this, so I can't wait for him to tell us our st- his story.
0: Yeah, we'll talk with him about that coming up in the next hour. We'll also take your calls throughout the program, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Now, last week, uh, when we were trying to record the, I guess, the video podcast only, and we were going to make make the audio podcast out of that, uh, we did r- uh, discuss the Legend Trips event at Edaville, USA from a couple of weeks ago, and because that audio is probably lost forever, (laughs) the way that Uh the the video ended up recording, but we lost a lot of that. Uh, But Moniz wasn't there either, so we can let the listening audience in now, uh, in on the story, and let them know what happened. I thought it was a, a pretty intriguing night for a place that, we weren't really sure if it was going to deliver nobody had ever investigated there before we'd heard the stories we heard that it had a reputation of being haunted but nobody had ever actually gone there in search of connecting with these spirits but it seemed like people were having experiences it seemed like there was some evidence coming through i know moniz uh, you were part of the group that was uh, operating on the midway yeah and you had some pretty interesting uh, things come up
3: well what i found interesting is i had but uh, the best way to describe it is seeing this luminous orb over the uh, pond and bog area and i had one of the other uh members that were there uh witness it with me and we were both like wow that was a weird light and it was you know definitely not a reflection from anything was it, that, was it around the tracks or on the yeah, on, yeah. on the pond itself over the pond itself, the pond, you know, one of the uh, feeding ponds for the bog, it was in that direction. Right. And then they come to find out that Andy Lake and one of his other guests saw it as well, you know, having other independent verification of it. Um, some people were hearing various voices and stuff around some of the, uh, some of the rides and. Uh, the the train itself seemed which was parked yeah. at the
0: time uh but that seemed to have some activity happening around it
3: yeah somebody got some good pictures and uh a couple of good evps out of it
0: now i know uh, stephanie that you know in in your delicate condition yes that you probably are trying to not put as much um you know, you're probably not trying to make these psychic spirit connections as much as you probably normally would, but sometimes you can't help it and they just happen. Mm-hmm. When you were there, were you getting anything? Were you picking up on anything? There
1: was a lot of people there. So um, what people don't realize usually is ghosts kind of get overwhelmed just like we do. Um, ghost spirits, however you want to approach that. But, um I definitely was picking up on different things here and there, different spots that were more active than others. Um, What
0: what were some of the more active spots?
1: I have to say that attic was pretty interesting.
0: The the third floor of the museum building?
1: Yes, and the, the house was as well. Um, I did not spend time personally in Dino Land or the Midway, only because there was a ridiculous amount of mosquitoes outside. So <laughs> yeah. I tried to stay away from them. But um, the two places that I did spend the most time were pretty interesting. Um, I was caught alone in the attic a couple times. One of the times I was with you and we went up to clean up and um, there was just a different sense of what was going on up there. Once everybody left, it, it gets interesting.
0: We we had some pretty uh, intriguing Ouija board experiences. We did. In that third floor of the That's attic. right. Including one, we decided to try a test, a little bit of a of an experiment. And We had Stephanie on the board with Chikako, uh, who has come to a number of our events, and, and she is sight impaired. So we had somebody who can communicate with spirits without a board, paired up with somebody who can't see the board to be able to manipulate it either. So we were trying to see what would happen and and we were having things come through. Uh, We even had Mr. Atwood himself, Ellis Atwood, came Mm -hmm. through and spoke to uh, a a couple of the groups. So that was pretty interesting. And saying that he loves everybody being there and he Mm -hmm. loves people coming to the park. And I think my favorite was when um, they asked him if you like Christmas. And (laughs) the the planchette just flew. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Do you like the kids coming (laughs) here? Yes! It was uh, pretty interesting to see. So and it was a good time. And it was fun just to be in parts of uh, the park that nobody else is allowed into. That was uh, part of the the uh, attraction for a number of people, not so much the paranormal stuff, but to be able to be there and see Edaville behind the scenes.
1: Right. I think the last time I went was probably close to 20 years ago, and all there was was a Christmas train.
0: And I thought I was going to be like a kid running around that place. But did you guys see Belanger?
3: Oh, he was all around. Uh, running
0: around with his uh, engineer's cap. and I love it.
3: And, uh, yeah,
0: it was. We, we definitely had a great time. Uh, and, of course, we have some Legend Trips coming up. We're trying to plan events for October and November. Uh, if we can pull them off, uh, stay tuned to legendtrips.com. If you want to find out more about that, you can just go to that website, sign up for the mailing list, and you will have first crack at the tickets before they go on sale to the general public. And that's very important because a lot of our events – you know they do sell out. Pretty much every event sells out. They do, and some of them. Sometimes we do smaller ones of you know 25, 30 people, and they will sell out in pre-sale alone. So you want to make sure that you join the list and that you respond to those emails when they come through. Uh, but we have raised over twenty thousand dollars to date now uh, to benefit Historic Haunts. So we're going to keep doing what we do, and we'll keep doing it for you, the Legend Trippers, because you guys are what makes it such a success. And Last week, I mentioned it a little bit, but again, you know, we weren't on the air. Uh, and I've mentioned it a bit here during the week when I've come to fill in, but I had been teasing that I had a big announcement this past week. Well, it was formally announced on Tuesday. It was supposed to be on Monday, but they decided to wait. I don't know why they decided it would be better to wait 24 hours and have it coincide with the launch of the iPhone. Thanks. <laughs> you know, but it's still, a, it's still a big announcement nonetheless. And that will be that the program that I worked on, Ghost Stalkers, That's stalkers, not stalkers. We're not putting them on the shelf. We're hunting them down. Ghost stalkers will debut on Destination America on October 19th. It's a Sunday night. Uh, The show will be on at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, For those of you who are football fans, the Patriots are not playing that day at all. They have a Thursday game that week, so you will be able to check out the show, uh, sit down on the couch, live tweet during it like I plan on doing, and uh, let us know what you think. But I need everybody to watch it. I need everybody to tune in, and let's make it a big success. Uh, The announcement came down this week. See, there were so many things that I wanted to talk about that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. So many secrets that I had to keep. But the executive producer of the program and the creator of the show is Nick Groff, one of the uh, investigators and and the executive producer of Ghost Adventures on the Travel Channel. He is the one who is uh, behind this show. It was his vision. Uh, But the investigators who will be on camera are John Tenney. And if anybody in the paranormal doesn't know the name John Tenney, check him out. Uh, Weirdlectures.com is his website. He is known throughout the paranormal world for his uh, very unique take, uh, his very interesting research. He finds so many things uh, that other people never find in their research. And and he's willing to try things and explore different theories. Uh, So he is one of the investigators, along with Chad Lindbergh, who you probably know as an actor. From the Fast and the Furious, the first one, from the show Supernatural. Any of you guys ever watched Supernatural? Yep. So you know the character of Ash? Mm-hmm. The, um, uh, what's his name? Dr. Badass, he calls himself. He, that's Chad Lindbergh. Uh, he was in the film October Sky. You've seen him in all kinds of stuff, CSI. Well, he is the other investigator. And what's interesting about them is they have both had experiences, direct experiences, with the other side. Chad, when he was younger, uh, I believe he was eight years old. He had Rye syndrome, and he was in a hospital and he was very near death. He rebounded and he recovered, but he was already starting that process of, you know, making that transition of, of feeling, you know, his final hours coming upon him. A priest actually came and administered last rites, told the family, you know, he's you're going to have to say goodbye. Uh, but he was able to bounce back. And John Tenney, when he was 17 years old. He had a heart condition. He actually had a heart attack and died. Mm -hmm. Literally died and was brought back to life by the doctors. Uh, So he actually went to the other side, and he had his own experience there that he'll share with you on the program. Well, the two of them have decided to team up now because they have a theory that... If you go to certain places where there's been a lot of life created, where there's been a lot of death that has happened, these are places where that connection between our world and the next, our world and other dimensions, that veil gets kind of thin, and we have these locations that are called portals. And so John and Chad are going to investigate sites that allegedly have portal activity and they're going to see if that has an impact on the paranormal activity that is taking place. If we can say that the reason why these things occur is because of the presence of the portal. And they've enlisted the help of David Roundtree, who is an electrical engineer, an audio engineer, and he is also uh, the gentleman who runs Spirit Lab out of New Jersey. And he has created... A wormhole detector. He has a system that he has built that can detect the presence of portals. You're going to get to see that in action on Ghost Stalkers. So you want to stay tuned for that program again October 19th. I don't want to say too much more about it because I don't want to give away anything, but you know, follow uh, follow me on Twitter, at Tim Weisberg. I'll keep tweeting out updates as much as I can, and if you talk about the show on social media, use the hashtag Ghost Stalkers so that the network knows that you are fired up and ready for this show. They actually debuted the first three acts of the first episode at Scarefest today, because John and Chad were there to make the big announcement, and they screened the first three acts, which is about the first 25 minutes of the program, and the place went nuts. That's awesome. Chad sent us a a video uh, that he recorded there, and it was just watching everybody's reaction at the end of it. They went crazy, and they only got like half of the episode, Mm -hmm. so there's still parts of it that they haven't seen. So it's, uh, it's very rewarding that people are getting excited about this. Because when you start out with, uh, let's, I've been critical of Paranormal TV. We know that. We all are. And, and I've, there's, I've sat here in this chair and said, you know, that show is garbage, that show is garbage. And I want to make it clear that when I've said that, it was before this opportunity to be the writer and the researcher for this program came up. I, uh, I did not speak about any paranormal shows after I made the agreement to be part of that. And I think it would probably be best if I don't from now on. I won't comment on shows anymore. Uh, but outside of, you know, we can have general discussion about it, but I won't be critical of the shows anymore. Uh, but when, when when people are talking about these shows, sometimes they, they're not nice. Sometimes they're brutal. Mm-hmm. Before they even have the chance, before they even give it a chance. Now, I haven't watched Ghost Asylum yet, which is also on Destination America, but I've seen people be critical about it already. I've seen people making comments before it even aired, just based on the title alone.
1: I think a lot of those people are the people that want to be on the shows, but
0: yeah, it's a little bit of jealousy. Give a you think? To. I yeah.
1: think so. Well, so, they think that they can do a better job.
0: So, uh, but I, you know, I expect that. I expect that some people are going to feel that way toward this program. But instead, it's been overwhelmingly positive. I think because mm-hmm. you have names that are respected. Uh, in 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 the field, when you have John Tenney being part of a show, people know that Tenney's not going to sign up for something, you yeah. know, that's going to be cheesy. They know that it's going to be about serious research, so that's getting people excited. And the same thing with Nick, of course. You know, if you've watched Ghost Adventures, you've seen how Nick handles himself on investigations, and that certainly comes through as kind of the prevailing spirit—no pun intended—with how things go on Ghost Stalker. So stay tuned for that again, October nineteenth. It's coming up. On Destination America. If you don't have Destination America, you can come over my house and. <laughs> no, well, that's I, what I was going
1: to ask you because I was listening to you on the afternoon show on WBSM the other day, and you mentioned. And I had to cut out the radio before you made the announcement, but are you definitely sitting at home and watching it, or are you considering the other idea?
0: Uh, I've been talking about the possibility of having a public event. And I still have to check with the network and make sure it's okay, Mm -hmm. because when something is on television, you're technically not legally allowed to broadcast it to a large audience without Mm -hmm. permission. So, you know, bars, when they have football games, there's certain restrictions and rules that they have to follow. So I want to look into that and find out, and you know, I'm sure I'll get permission from the network Mm -hmm. to be able to do so, but... Do I want to sit at home and live tweet and catch people's reactions as they're happening and be involved with it in that way? Or do I want to go out in public and have everybody come and have a big party and do it as a fundraiser, you know, as a canned food drive maybe right. for Mercy Meals and more? Something along those lines. Do I want to do that? You know, maybe we'll get knuckleheads and
1: well, I mean you can just always have the Humane Society bring down all the kittens and we can do a kitten adoption.
0: No, you don't need to be around any more kittens. That's mm, that's fine. That's uh but i got to decide and i got to see what what nick wants too cuz he's the boss you know if right. he wants us to be available during the show and to be live tweeting mm-hmm. i mean again i'm just the writer researcher i'm not a cast member or anything so i'm not right i'm not really high on that totem pole but it's depending on what they want i could i i could see the fun and and the interest in both sides of doing it but there's a chance I may be going down to New York for the big premiere wow. for the press uh, in the beginning part of October, so mm-hmm. I'll at least have already seen the show. So maybe I can just like schedule my tweets you know, so that I can just fire them Good social
1: media. You can do you know, anything yeah. now.
0: Well, I don't actually know how to schedule tweets. I'll have I'll to do it for me. <laughs> He's the tweet scheduler. Uh, well, you know how to do it too. All right, so there we got our bases covered. But that's that's the big news that I've been teasing now for a couple of weeks. And uh, I want to thank everybody out there for you know being part of the spooky South Coast audience. If it wasn't for you guys, if it wasn't for you guys helping me do the show every week, you know, and helping me with the research that I do, it, it's not. Nobody can do one part of this by themselves. Everybody has help. Everybody has influence. Everybody has. Networking when they don't even realize it. Moniz, you and I have talked for hours, uh, driving places, about what we think the paranormal is and how these things happen. (laughs) You know, we've had these discussions off the air, we've had these discussions on the air, and all that kind of shapes this stuff. So it's it's very interesting to see that. Paranormal TV, I think, has been kind of stuck in a rut for a couple of years, where they're still kind of at the point of, we're trying to prove to the audience that ghosts are real. Mm -hmm. And we have to move beyond that. We have to kind of accept that, that, at least for the premise of a television show, yes, ghosts are real. Now, what does that mean? And that's what we're trying to do, which is why I'm excited about it. I don't think I would be this excited to work on it if it was just another investigation show where they were saying, you know, is there anybody here? Yes. Okay, we got it. Let's go home. You know, there's there's more to it than that, and there's more, and they're not trying to help anybody, which is uh, very interesting too. Like they're not trying, you know, they're not coming in with false promises. Mm-hmm. They're not coming in with uh, the, you know, they're not trying to remove ghosts as, as you know some of the programs. They're just do.
3: documenting,
0: and they're trying to make that connection. They're trying to broaden the uh, the scope of things. So it's not just about having the spirits there. It's about where do they come from, why do they come from, and if they're coming through, why can't something else come through? And I should be pretty forthcoming about that and saying, the show is called Ghost Stalkers. It's not always ghosts that come through these portals.
3: Well, that leaves me Teasing. to my little teaser. Uh, what I've been working on for the past month and a half, so I just solidified... I remember this TV show. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, but, you
1: and I are starting right. our own right now. Uh,
3: yeah.
0: uh, I've seen ghost, ghost Cats. I love it.
1: Ghost I love it.
0: I've seen I've seen your videos on on the uh, X Hamster site. So oh, yeah, I yeah. know that you've been involved in TV uh, production yourselves. Is
3: that, oh, okay. Is that about hamsters? No. Did,
0: I just gave a plug for a porn site too. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. No, I, nice. I expect t-shirts out of that deal. <laughs> okay.
3: All right. But, sorry. Uh, I am going to be working on a show about abductees. Sweet.
0: Well, is, can you say anything more than that, or?
3: Uh, no, because of you know agreements that we've made. Will We're, it be? They're still filming stuff.
0: Will it be? Uh, It'll it be on be like,
3: Destination America.
0: Will it be recounting stories, or will it be, uh, you know, as a what's the the word that I'm looking for? Is it more of the uh, dramatizations like we saw in Monsters and Mysteries of in America? Is it along those lines, where people sharing their experiences? Yeah,
3: similar, yeah, okay. similar.
1: So, so, what's your role?
3: Uh, my role is uh, multifaceted, uh, sharing, um, shall we say, uh, intake. Uh, of people's stories, any physical analysis and stuff like that it it's more of a um uh, I'll call it commentary on 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 the particular cases that they've so you'll on. be
1: on the actual show instead of behind the scenes
3: both okay both.
0: But it will be experiences that have already happened.
3: Yeah, you're not going to be
0: taking people and offering them up. No. All right, good. I feel (laughs) better because I know sooner or later you won't be friends
1: anymore. Sooner or later,
0: you'd be calling me up and be like, "Dude, we we got one more episode to film this season. We need somebody. Can I send you up there?
1: (laughs) We have one more space left on the spaceship. Would you like to go tonight?
3: No. I'm not going to say a thing about people, you know, hanging around with me all of a sudden, winding up, you know, being visited.
1: (laughs) That's why we don't go to your house.
0: I've been (laughs) been hanging out with you for ten years now, and I'd like to think that nothing's happened. Let's keep it that way. So, but Destination (laughs) America is is certainly becoming like the Paranormal Network. Uh, So, if you have not checked it out, uh, you certainly should do so. See, now I was a fan of Destination America anyway. Like, I, I don't really watch all the paranormal shows necessarily, but. I love shows about extreme water parks and extreme roller coasters and all those shows. So they've got all of that stuff. It's fantastic. But they've uh, they've built quite a paranormal repertoire there, and it seems like they're only expanding more. And we should also say, too, that on October 1st, there's this big – see, they're having this big event called Tober where there's going to be all kinds of paranormal programming. That's great. Why didn't we ever think of that? Because we'll we had just, enough trouble trying to copyright uh, Spooktacular, no.
1: <laughs> and we'll put it on Ghost Cats and call All it a right. day.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> but the uh, kickoff to Ghosttober on October first will be the debut, the television debut of the Bridgewater Triangle documentary. Uh, oh, they still haven't announced the time, uh, and I should stress to people that if you are going to wait for the Destination America airing, you are only going to get half of the documentary. They're, uh, they're essentially cutting down the 90-minute documentary into one hour-long program, which means about 44 minutes with commercials. So you'll only get about half of the program, half of the documentary, when it airs October 1st. So if you want to get the DVD, you have to go to the BridgewaterTriangleDocumentary.com. You can get the DVD and the Blu-ray there. That will get you the entire 90-minute film in its entirety. But there's also going to be a number of showings happening over the next few months, including ones that are completely free of charge. Certain libraries are showing the, the film, and you'll be able to go and watch the film without having to pay an admission fee. However, space is limited for those uh, events, for those showings. So you want to go to the thebridgewatertriangledocumentary.com, and you want to find all those listings and figure out where and when you can go see it. And, of course, you never know when one of us is going to pop up in one of those showings, especially you know, in October. It'll be a Wednesday night. We'll have nothing going on. There'll be a screening. We'll say, hey, let's go. We can talk to some people afterwards, and we can hear some of their stories and hear some of these tales from within the Bridgewater Triangle that you might not uh, get to find out about. And we are working on doing our annual Bridgewater Triangle investigation show coming up next month. We have a lot of things in play that... uh Busy, busy, busy. Right. We're, we're really mm-hmm. waiting for a few dates to drop. And then once they do, everything will solidify. But right now, you know, trying to book Legend Trips events and trying to figure out who's going to be around, uh, what weekend's in October. Once everything drops into place, then we'll be able to set that show up. And we'll do it like we always do it. But I'm trying to find a new twist on it this year. And if it all works out, it'll be pretty special.
3: I got a twist. People sending in, you know, vines. From from the uh, I think there. Vine
0: I think Vine died. Oh well. But we can do Instagram video.
3: What well, you get the principle? I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: I think did Vine die? Is Vine officially? Have we put a cork in it?
3: I don't
2: know. I don't use it. So I
0: think the only people who use vines now are struggling comedians. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> <laughs> Trying to make funny yeah. vines, but
2: uh, I, see, I see Rob Delaney last time. Oh yeah, it's pretty funny on
0: it. Well, yeah. So there you go. So if you wanna, if you wanna get involved, absolutely. Uh, of course, the Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show is always about you folks, and we'll try and find a way to do that because we have the ability to bring in YouTube videos and things like that with our Spooky TV stream. So maybe we'll figure out something. We always say this every year, and technology just confuses us. <laughs> I don't right. think it confuses
1: yeah. us. It just doesn't act right.
0: Confuses the hell out of me. <laughs> but uh, we'll we'll have that coming up uh, next month. So that'll be exciting. But again, this is Psychic September. That's what we're having this month. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be joined by our guest Bob Olson. And next week, we'll be joined by Matt Fraser, who is a well-known uh, medium here in the area. And uh, and I know that he's got an event coming up. Uh, later on this month at the at Howland Place. It's a fundraiser for mm-hmm. the Kennedy Donovan Center. So he'll join us next week to talk about that and give us a little bit of information about himself and his abilities. And maybe if we have time, next week we'll do some readings as well with Matt. It was originally going to be that he was going to come in here and he was going to be on the whole program mm-hmm. and uh, that he was going to do, take calls, And but then the Red Sox... They're playing a night game, so things get all screwed up. Uh, so we're gonna try and do our best to accommodate his schedule and still have him on the program. And then September twenty seventh, huge guest. We're gonna have joining us James Van Prog, who Yay. I know you're very excited about Stephanie. I am. This is
2: uh
0: this is the guest that you wanted when yes. when you came on board the show. So you'll have the chance to talk to him and interview him and you said you've met him in the past, haven't you? I have. So I have. You already know that he's you know, you're he's are, an amazing
1: person. I can't he, wait to have the, the him on the show.
0: Great conversationalist, even if you don't believe in psychic abilities, just hearing his he's, stories. Are, all
1: around just his energy, his aura, everything about him. He's just an, a great person to talk to and you know, never never mind the abilities. Seeing him read, I've never seen anybody read like that before in my life. So I was blown away when I get to see him in person. But just as a, a person and who he is, it it should be very interesting.
0: Well, so we will have him on September 27th. you will have a chance to uh, call in and ask him any questions that you may have. I don't think he'll be doing any readings because we only have him for an hour. Right. Uh, but uh, we'll have the chance to talk to him, and then we'll find out what he's all about. So that'll be uh, September 27th. So Psychic September here for the rest of the month. Now. We have about six minutes left in the hour before we have to take a break for the news, at which point afterwards we will be joined by Bob Olson, who will share with us his research into the world of psychics and mediums. And you can find out about his websites and his book by going to SpookySouthCoast.com. But before that, let's spend a few moments getting a little weird. More bad
3: news. Well, I got a great show for you today was some wonderful weird stuff. I feel so very weird.
0: <laughs> the weekend weird.
1: Alright, up first we have an armchair detective feels he identified Jack the Ripper. Russell Edwards, a London-based property developer, claims the culprit was demented was a demented Polish barber named Aaron Kosminski. In Edwards' newly published book, Naming Jack the Ripper, he details his search for the identity of the mysterious killer who murdered and mutilated five prostitutes in London's East End in 1888. Edwards spent 14 years trying to solve the mystery. Edwards insists that the DNA found on a century-old blood and semen-stained scar reportedly found at one of the crime scenes proves Kosminski, whom whom detectives had once considered to be a possible suspect, was the killer. Edwards purchased the silks, silk shawl. You got me all tongue-tied tonight with <laughs> this story. Sorry. Silk shawl discovered near the body of the victim, Catherine Ad- Adows. at an auction in 2007 and spent years having forensic scientists run tests on the semen stains that were compared to DNA from one of cons- Cosmos... Kazminski Sorry. I'm doing terrible. I tried Polish to spell phonetically for you the first time. The Polish names, I know. Descendants. Um, that was a really interesting story. I read the larger one. How do you feel about it?
0: This is like the 45th person that's right. claimed to know the existence of Jack the Ripper. I know that. Add it
1: to the pile. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I
0: mean,
3: you're just saying that it's you know him because of that's his DNA. It doesn't prove he's a killer. The only thing it proves it is could be he anything, uh,
1: really. Yeah,
3: could have been one of uh, she could have been uh,
1: dating him. Yeah, yeah, anything. yeah. Dating. yeah dating. One of dating one of the uh,
3: clients. One of the clients. Yeah, yeah.
1: You never know. Well, what? I was trying to be nice, dating.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll <laughs> save I'll save you the trouble of having to read the next story. We'll hold on to that one for next week. Oh, good. We'll okay. just tease that and say that next week we're going to have a poop story. So we're trying to class up the show a little bit. We'll have a poop story.
1: Are you firing me because week. I couldn't pronounce it? No, no, it's
0: because I'm looking at the clock.
1: I know, I'm just kidding.
0: And uh, and no. I know that you can't read this story because of what exactly happened. Oh, you no. might want to just take your headphones off for this one. A California man was arrested on charges of stalking and animal cruelty after his ex-girlfriend told police that he killed and cooked her dog before feeding it to her. The woman contacted the Redding, California police on September 9th, telling them she was a victim of domestic violence and stalking by her 34-year-old ex-boyfriend, Ryan Eddie Wattenpah of Cedro. She said that she had been physically assaulted numerous times during their relationship, which lasted several months. Uh, according to police, uh, when Wattenpah attacked on, our, on August 1st, uh, August 4th, <laughs> i off of me. And she ran out the back door of her Reading apartment. When she returned, Wattenpah was gone, and so was her Pomeranian named Bear. Uh, they did re- reconcile briefly in September, and Wattenpah and cooked the woman a meal. Oh. On September 7th, the woman received a text from Wattenpah asking her how her dog tasted and referenced the meal that he cooked for her. He continued to send the victim menacing text messages stating various things he planned on doing with the remains of the dogs. With the dog's remains, sorry. Uh, around on, around 1 a.m. on Tuesday, the woman heard a truck pull up to her residence. She looked outside, saw Watt and Paul walk up to her home, place something near her door, and walk away. When she opened her front door to investigate, the woman found a small bag containing dog paws, which she identified as belonging to Bear. So uh, Watt and Paul was arrested Wednesday by the Shasta County Sheriff's Department, told investigators that he did send the text messages, and he did place the dog paws on the porch, but denied killing or cooking the dog. Uh, so how, how did he get the dog paws right. if he didn't kill the dog? That's the question. He was arrested on charges of domestic violence, false imprisonment, stalking, and animal cruelty. Additional charges will be sought regarding the weapons that they found in his home. He is being held in lieu of $250,000 bail. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Matt, next time you offer to make dinner, yeah. I'm going to turn you down. <sighs> Don't right. take it personally. No <laughs> All right, uh, that that does it for the Week and Weird this week. Any stories that you have for us, you can send to us, uh, tweet them to us, at SpookySC. Uh, we do have to take a break now for the news. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk to our guest tonight. He is Bob Olson, an afterlife investigator and psychic researcher. Uh, so you want to... Join us for that discussion, and you want to check out his website, bestpsychicsdirectory.com. That is the way to find out everything about him and to find out about his work in investigating psychics and mediums some fascinating stuff on his site for you to check out including the link to buy his new book uh, which we will be discussing with him answers about the afterlife it's also linked up on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com if you'd like to go to amazon and purchase that book during the course of the discussion but right now it's time for the news we'll talk to you in just a few minutes with more spooky South. Coast. Weisberg, along with Stephanie Burke, science advisor Matt Moniz, and the silent assassin himself, Matt Costa, over there in the corner. I have to keep moving the oh, monitor right. to see you, but I know I can picture you in my mind, but I like to actually <laughs> see okay. you, so I, that's why I move it back yeah. and forth.
1: He just needs to slide a little bit over to his right, and then we can all see him.
0: Right. We, what we need to do is we need to redesign the studio solely with Spooky <laughs> South Coast in mind. We'll have to talk to Frank about that. Weren't they supposed to put a new studio? Eventually. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not talk about things like that. All right. so does that mean we're going to get a chocolate fountain? No, I'd be happy just to have a water fountain. Well, we have one of those, but that, that's about it. Yeah. We we do have the free K-cup coffee, but there hasn't been any cream for like three weeks. Right, That thing takes forever. God. I know. It's crazy. All right. Oh, I just found a button in my... All right, well, let's get back to the program instead of uh, complaining about everyday life. Well, yeah, welcome back to Complaining About Everyday Life with the Spooky Crew. Actually, uh, we are joined now by our guest, Bob Olson. He is a former skeptic and a private investigator who has been researching evidence of life after death for the past 15 years. His expertise in this field led him to create bestpsychicmediums.com bestpsychicdirectory.com and afterlife tv.com he also has a course for mediums at psychicmediumworkshop.com his new book is answers about the afterlife a private investigator's 15-year research unlocks the mysteries of life after death and that is available now from building bridges press and he joins us on the program good evening bob thank you for joining us here on spooky south coast how are you
2: Uh, Good, Tim. Uh, Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, we're so honored to have you join us, uh, especially when, you know... our, our co-host here, Stephanie Burke, she has recently joined the program. We've known her for years, uh, but she's only recently become a co-host over the last few months or so. And she was telling me from the time, even before she joined the program, she's like, you got to get Bob Olson on. you got to have him on. He, it'll change the way that everybody uh, views psychics and mediums when they listen to them come on the show and that it's, it's part of the process of educating the audience uh, about people with abilities. So we're glad that we could finally uh, have you join us here on the show.
2: Uh, fantastic. And thank you, Stephanie. I really appreciate that. I was just I was just reading her bio here, so she's impressive.
1: Oh, thank you. So are you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's she's one of the few psychic mediums that we would actually uh actually work with in that capacity ourselves because like yourself, you know, we've entered into this very skeptical about the process of it, and I think that you have to because it is a field that is rife. I don't want to say it's just outright fraud for a lot of folks, but there are a lot of people who uh, seem to think that they're gifted when they may not be.
2: Well, that's true. You know, I've, I recognize that there are different levels of people with this ability. Um, some might seem like frauds, and really what it comes down to is they're just not very good at what they do. Yeah. And, um there's three levels. You know, uh, you have a natural ability. Some people just seem to have a natural ability. Stephanie obviously does because she had it since she was a child. And then you have uh, training. Uh, Some people get proper training, and that really helps bring you to a new level. And then you have experience, people who have had years of experience. Um, And when you have all three of those things, it really puts it together so you have a good medium. But there's many people who uh, uh, just are out there giving readings for a fee And they shouldn't be. They don't have uh, all three of those sometimes.
0: Well, and it is a a situation where a lot of people go into this, uh, go into the idea of having a a reading, not from the perspective that that you and I may have of, you know, let's... Take a look at this analytically. A lot of people are entering into this type of a situation because they're in some sort of an emotional or spiritual need, and they need to have—they need to make that connection. They need to have that closure or, or get those answers. So they're not really entering into this necessarily under sound mind.
2: No, and, and they're the most vulnerable, of course. Yeah, could be because there's a desperation involved, and they so want to believe. And so it's very easy, you know, to take advantage of those people. And the people who are out there trying to take advantage of people, um, they know this. And, and that's who they're going after. Now, there's not as many as most people. Most people who are skeptical, even though if they're open-minded, there's not as many um, out there as they might think. But they certainly do exist, and you got to watch out for them.
0: So your process actually started uh, similarly, though. You needed to make your own uh, connection. You were looking for your own answers uh, from a spiritual point of view, but you were coming into this having already spent years uh, a- as a private investigator and already having uh, a skeptical and analytical mind.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I uh, I live in Maine now, um, southern Maine, but I, I lived in the Massachusetts area um, outside of Worcester in the town of Holden, and, uh, and, and I was doing most of my investigations in the Boston area, and and that's it. I, you know, I, I was investigating uh, fraud. I was investigating uh, crime, including murder cases. I was investigating uh, domestic cases where, you know, following uh, spouses around that, that, you know, the other spouse thinks might be cheating on them. And I was doing all of it, and evidence was really important to me because the lawyers that I worked for, because they're the ones who hired me, um, they didn't want anything but evidence. They couldn't bring anything but evidence into court, and so uh, that was the way I was trained, and that's the way my mind worked, even when it came to spirituality.
0: So you're having this uh, this background and and being uh, somebody who has to fundamentally you know not take people at their word, Uh, and it probably makes it very. You're you're probably seeing thinking just timeline wise at at the time uh, that you were involved in all this. You're probably seeing commercials with Miss Cleo on them and you know all these uh, you know uh, Dion Warwick infomercials. And you know what what was your thought before you started really researching and investigating psychics and mediums? What was your uh, general Uh, Thought process on them?
2: Yeah, you know, I didn't believe in any of that stuff, Uh, and and I laughed when those commercials came on, and 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 to this day, you know, I won't I won't specifically talk about any particular one, but you know, I still have certain skepticism about certain, you know, some of those things, and Mm -hmm. and we already know that a couple of them uh, turned out to be fraudulent uh, in one way or another, but. There are psychic hotlines out there where there are legitimate psychics and mediums giving readings, but I still have issues with them even because um, the standards need to be raised, the, um, the expectations need to be raised, and, and we as a public can make that happen. So by not using a hotline where all the psychics are using fake names, for one, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't hire a lawyer or a mechanic or an accountant that was using the name, you know, Moonglow or something. And and uh, we shouldn't allow that with psychics and mediums. But it was sort of something that was allowed to happen for many years, and people continue with that tradition, and I don't know why.
0: Well, I know why. Some of them, their actual name is Moonglow. Like,
2: it says it on their birth certificate. <laughs> no, you know, you're right, actually. I, I do test uh, a lot of memes before I allow them on a, one of my sites, and, uh, uh, and some of them have uh, some very interesting names, and I, I've, I asked them to prove to me it was their name, and they changed it. They changed their name so it could be this kind of odd, weird one.
0: There, there was one that I uh, I met years ago, you know, when I was younger, I was probably like in my early teens, and it was one of those, uh, I was at a flea market, actually, and the woman had a little booth at the flea market, and she had the, the turban and the crystal ball and the whole nine yards, and I walked up to her and I said, uh, I said, well, what, what's your name? And she said, my name is Rosie Outlook. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I think you're just going to tell me what I want to hear.
2: <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs>
0: I, uh, but I was—I thought that was a, gr- a great name, you know. If you're going to have a fake name,
2: uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. At least be I've positive heard, I've about heard it. Heard some crazy ones. A, there was one that I thought couldn't be real. Her name was Molly Morningstar, and I was like, "Come on, Molly, you know, really." And she's like, "No, my my parents gave me that name. They're I figured they must be hippies or something, you know, whatever it was. But they, they 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 had the last name Star." And so they gave her the first name, Molly, the middle name, uh, Morning, and her last name was Star. So, you know, they had a good sense of humor. Well,
0: I mean, I guess you have to, uh, in, in some degree, you have to sell yourself, too. I mean, it's not just about uh, having the ability, necessarily. It's about having uh, the ability to communicate. That ability. So, you have to have, I would assume, some degree of showmanship or at least some degree of uh, performance in being able to, to conduct a reading w- when you're somebody who is uh, in the limelight for it. You know, the one on one readings, like you might go to see Stephanie in her office, you know, that's going to be obviously a little bit more personal mm-hmm. and a little bit more connected and reserved. But if you're going out to see one of these, you know, name uh, people who are on television and draw a big crowd, you know, they've got to have some degree of showmanship in what they do too.
2: Uh, they really do. Uh, you know, the entertainment factor is as important, um, as being a good medium, uh, for the, what we, I call medium demonstrations, where they give readings randomly to people in the audience from stage. And, uh, and the reason is because you'll lose the crowd out of boredom otherwise. And, and if you don't know how to control a crowd, I, I, in 2002, I gave, uh, an event I put on—an event where there were five mediums uh, in for the course of five hours—and I had, uh, out of ignorance, I just had people that I knew had given me incredible private readings. Um, and what I didn't realize was that only three of them were really good on stage, and the other two just lost people. In fact, both of them walked off of the stage, sort of got in the middle of the crowd, and I think it was because of their in. Uh, the lack of confidence of being up there and mm-hmm. they went into the middle of the crowd to sort of get closer to people and then you could just hear people all over you know they're starting to talk there was 400 people and 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 all of a sudden the whole place got louder cuz nobody was really paying attention anymore
0: every psychic every medium they'll probably have a different process and not everyone's process would lend itself to being in front of that many people trying to make these connections i've seen i've seen uh, some of these psychics who go in front of the crowd and they want to perform and they want to wow people but it's one or the other with them they can either be on in terms of being a performer and being an entertainer or they can be tuned in and they have trouble finding the balance of both
2: it does come from experience you know yeah it's, it's a great balance to to learn but it's something you know you start off doing you know for 20 25 people and then you work your way up to larger and larger audiences and by the time you're into the hundreds hopefully by that time you've really uh, mastered the ability to to give good readings in an entertaining way uh, in front of this audience and uh, some of the you know the best ones I've seen they they start off by giving a talk which is very educational and helps people understand what's about to take place and then they give the readings uh, after that. And, uh, but again, what's interesting, when, you, when you're at a medium demonstration, emotions are running high. There's a lot of people in the audience who are grieving. That's why they're there. They've mm-hmm. lost someone. They want to make a connection. And uh, even we'll see this at uh, funerals or wakes. You know, you hear, it's, you know, like I remember when I was a young child, I thought it was weird going to awake and there, everybody was laughing. There was a lot of laughter in the room. And it's because uh, emotions are just running high, and it has to, uh, in, in a cathartic way, it has to go one way or the other. So you're either going to cry or you're going to laugh, but somehow it's going to come out. Mary Tyler Moore did a whole <laughs> a whole episode on it, I remember, where uh, some clown died. And uh, in the middle of the funeral, her and her friends all just started laughing, and they couldn't stop laughing uh, very inappropriately. But this is what happens, and so it's very easy, actually, for the mediums to create some humor, get people in a light, uh, lighthearted mood, laughing at some things. But then, at the same time, when it's when it's a poignant situation, we'll say they're communicating with someone who took their life. Um, they're able to get into that place and very seriously give that person the attention, you know. And there's a lot of tears in the room.
1: I find your point of view extremely fascinating only because coming from um i'm not even sure if it says it in my bio but um coming from the point that i did as a child i hid my gift for so long because i just wanted to be normal um so coming out of the the spirit closet so to say um years later i I am a very analytical person. Um, I was also a psychology major in college, so um, I love to see how things work, how things tick, and it was very difficult for me to to go out there and to watch. Um, Exactly how people conduct themselves and how they come about different things. And coming from those three different stages, like you mentioned, it's very interesting to watch from afar as well. So I find it extremely fascinating because I actually have never heard anybody speak about it like that because that's how I feel about it, too. So um, with that being said, what led you to actually start researching into psychics and mediums?
2: Okay Well, first of all, Stephanie, thank you, and I really appreciate you saying that. It's, it's nice feedback and, um, and and that all comes from my analytical mind mm-hmm. and um, having having worked with mediums for you know fifteen years now and and that's what, that's the way my mind works. I would just want to sort of test it for myself, experiment, see what is possible, what isn't possible, how far can we take this, and then compare. Hundreds of readings that I've had and analyzed them to see why mediums do what they do and, and how it is that that happens. Uh, the reason it started was my father died. I was in my mid 30s. He was 64 years old. And for the first time in my life, I wondered if he went somewhere. I wondered if there was life after death. And I had lost other loved ones before him, and I, I hadn't really thought about it. But for some reason, with him, maybe because of my age, I now had that question in my mind i didn 't know if there was life after death, but i I knew that uh, it was worth uh, sort of looking into, and I figured uh, with my skills as a private eye, who better you know to investigate and, and find out if there really is something find out where my if if my father went anywhere, where did he go? what was that place like, et cetera Well, honestly, for um, almost two years. I didn't know where to look. I was a skeptic, so as a skeptic, I wasn't educated about where to look for evidence of life after death. And I was going to psychics and tarot readers and astrologers, and that's not the place to search for evidence of life after death. Mm-hmm. And and because my skepticism was so high, I thought every one of them to be a phony fraud or a scam artist. Um, in hindsight, I recognized I probably had some really good readings from them, but uh, I wasn't able to see them as such because I was only focused on the vague messages that they were giving me. Finally, someone told me about this person that they went to uh, who was a medium. I had never heard of a medium before. In the late 90s, mediums were not as popular as they are today. And I, I heard about this reading with all the evidence that came through names and dates and memories that this person couldn't possibly know. And I said, oh, i got to have that experience. And uh, I went and had this uh, this reading, and it, the person was new at, at doing it for a fee. I was her first professional reading, and it was going so well for her. She didn't want it to stop. I didn't want it to stop, and it ended up going on for three hours. So wow. my first reading was a three-hour reading with all kinds of amazing, extraordinary evidence that came through that brought me to a whole new level, just cracked wide open my skepticism and made me realize there's more to life and death than I, than I was aware of at that time. And it, it, that's what got me started with mediums. And from there, I just tested that particular medium. And then uh, as I met others, I would test them in all sorts of different ways to see what was possible, analyze those. And, I mean, it's been over 300. I stopped counting at 300. Wow. Uh, but that's how it all started. Well, what
0: is the process of of putting a medium to the test? How do you how exactly do you go about doing that?
2: Well, you know, it's it, it, it all. You know, it's one of these things where, um, you know, I was ignorant at the time. I, you know, it was just like, well, I don't know. So one of the things I did was I would. Um, I, we didn't know back then in the '90s. It seems so obvious now, but we didn't know that if a medium could give a reading on the phone most people would go in person and they felt like that was the way it had to happen mm-hmm. let's try it on the phone does it work on the phone I had a friend who had a radio show let's try it on the radio see if it works on the radio um and then once we figured out we could do it by phone then I was testing them on the radio I would take out all my uh, my murder cases and I would uh, put them on the table and see if the mediums could get the people uh, who had been murdered, to come through so and and tell us about the case, things that only me and a few other people knew about this case. Um, and uh, this stranger, this the, the, I mean, this stranger to the case, the medium, uh, was telling me all kinds of things about the case they couldn't possibly know. And they were getting it from this person in spirit. And so the, like these are the kinds of things that would happen, Uh, And and, and as time went on and I gained more insight about what was possible and what wasn't, then my tests would uh, sort of change along the way, and we'd get even more and more specific to see what was possible and what wasn't.
1: Do you find while you're testing mediums because... I've seen a lot of different mediums have a lot of different ways of reading and a lot of different abilities themselves. Um, Do you cater to their different abilities, or do you just kind of have one way of testing each one the same way?
2: No. Uh, You know, well, eventually, you know, the the more I tested, the the more I I gained a grasp of uh, recognizing what people's strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. were. And, And then it just became very natural for me. And and so I was able to recognize those three things. For one, I would start there. I would, I would be able to recognize okay, they have a great natural ability, but they haven't had any training. I mm-hmm. could even tell that in the reading, um, or they haven't had much experience. With ex- when I say experience, with experience comes feedback. That's that's right. where the experience helps uh, a psychic or a medium, you know. And when I say that, I it's even better if if it's you know you're you're charging for a reading because you can give readings to your friends and family members all day long at parties and nobody's going to complain nobody's going to mm-hmm. say anything to you negatively for the most part but you start charging people for it and all of a sudden if it's not a good reading a lot of people are going to tell you um, they're going to be asking for refunds and that and it causes it forces you to get better because you don't want to live through that over and over again. Absolutely. So they'll let you know know, what you did wrong, and you'll try to fix it. And for the ones that aren't very good, a lot of times that is what gets them to go to someone who is more experienced to look for training. And then the training will bring a lot of people to a new level. Of course, training you know you're, the training's only going to be as good as the medium who's doing the training. So, you know, a lot there's a lot <laughs> nowadays so many mediums are like, "Oh, I, I can, here's a great way to make some extra money. I'll take these beginners and I'll train them how to do it." Well, if that person has really bad habits, all they're doing is passing those on to other people and I've seen seen that happen as well. Um but then as as I would go on and as the years went on, I started to not just look at these things. I started to look at Um, you know, uh, the delivery, you know, the responsibility in in how they delivered their messages. Did they deliver messages like, oh, you know, oh, you have cancer, you know, are they delivering Mm -hmm. that message? Because what they when a medium does something like that, what they don't recognize is that, you know, mediums can be wrong. Now, the message might always be right. You know, technically we could say the message is always right that's coming from spirit, but it's the medium's interpretation Absolutely. of that message um, that can be wrong. And, and, I, and I've seen that a million times. A medium is one of the things I, I when I train them myself, I tell them, just tell us what you're getting. Don't give us your interpretation of it. There's this great story about this. Uh, I had this reading, and the the, the medium kept saying, uh, "You love, you know, I'm I'm getting that you love coffee. You love coffee." This was even before I drank a lot of coffee, and um, I was like, "No, no, that's not right." And, and then he, you know, he, he keeps talking about this, and then finally, uh, I'm like, "Well, what are you getting?" And he said, uh, "They're they're just showing me coffee. They're just showing me coffee." Well, yeah, now that I understand, because the person in spirit's cat was named Coffee. You know, it was, and, and so if you had just said they're telling me Coffee, I would have gone, oh, yeah, that's, that's his cat. You know what I mean? But instead, he was telling me that I love Coffee, and he was wrong. So what he got, he was getting the message was right. His interpretation of it was wrong. And so you know, over time, I got to sort of fine-tune and really figure out what makes a good, good medium versus a, a beginner.
1: I have to say, I think you're my new favorite person. (laughs) (laughs) I try to push these points that you're bringing up across constantly when people ask me questions or they ask me to teach a class or things like that, but... I don't think anybody ever truly grasps that concept of, you know, it is the interpretation, or it's even the customer or the client's interpretation, too, of, of different things. So um, yeah. you you moved up to the number one spot, I think.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you one thing, whether you're a psychic or a medium, if, if you want to have me give you one piece of advice, this is for anybody out there who's doing it, that will improve your ability is to stop asking questions. Don't ask questions. The best psychics and mediums are the ones who will give you all kinds of information mm-hmm. and just they just have to trust that it's coming from their intuitive ability uh, and that it's correct. And they give you all kinds of information before they even ask you for feedback. And, because what happens is as soon as they start get, to get feedback and, and they start to ask questions, then their intellect gets involved, because that feedback now has kicked in their intellect, and now they're making intellectual decisions as well. Um, but when they're just giving you the intuitive message, the message that's coming through their intuitive ability, it's all on trust. And then when they say, do you understand it, They don't, don't feed the medium, right? Don't give them any that's information. Good. Just say whether you understand the message yes no or maybe and that's all any person any client any sitter who's getting a reading should should do is say yes no or maybe yes i understand it no i don't understand it i need more information or or you know maybe why don't just keep going and we'll see where you're going with this uh, but so many so many psychics and mediums ask questions even when they're giving a statement like they might be getting i'm getting a nurse they want me to say nurse and that could mean a million things. The person in spirit was a nurse. You're, you know, you're a nurse, whatever. But what they say is, who's the nurse? Well, that's a leading question, it is. and it, and it forces the sitter to then give them information which is feeding them something and they'll end up telling them something that now they now the medium can't tell that person which could have been great evidence which might have brought them from skepticism to belief uh just that one piece of evidence they've taken away from because now the person has told the medium that does that make sense to you
0: that is perfectly put Well, and and you mentioned, you know, beware of psychics who ask leading questions. And you actually have a a handy guide for folks that are getting readings, uh, Six Ways to Get a Good Psychic Medium. And that's number one on your list is, you know, beware of psychics who ask a lot of questions. Uh, There are some other things that people need to take into concern uh, if they are going to be uh, going and getting a reading done.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are. There's a lot of things. And a lot of people say, you know, how can, um, you know, how can the general public you know, know whether they're going to a good psychic or medium or not honestly <laughs> you don't um there's really no way there's no way someone can go from because i was a beginner too i didn't know the difference but you know I, in my first reading even in hindsight i say it was amazing well yeah three hours if people had a three hour reading a lot of evidence is probably going to come through i can't tell you that that was the best medium i ever went to um but that was my first one, and so I only knew it from – I only had experience with one. I could only uh, compare it to that one. Uh, as I started to have more, I could uh, – now I could compare them, and, and I, I, as time went on, I learned the difference between a good one and a bad one. Most people don't have that luxury – uh, the best thing that you can do when you when you start off is just try to get a referral from someone you trust. It's one of the reasons that I do the work that I do, that I have the directory, you know, bestlikedirectory.com and stuff. But it's also I, I also say if you got a friend who you guys have a lot of things in common, you like the same books, you like the same movies, you know, you, then if they went to someone who they really like, especially if they've been to the same medium a few times then that's a great referral. That's a great way for you to get started, is to go to the one that they've had great success with and, uh, and much better than just sort of flipping through the phone book and choosing somebody.
0: Well, and it's it's really important, too, that if you are going to get a reading, and, and no matter what you take into account, you know, a lot of folks probably, the, the question, especially the six points that you make uh, for people to get a good reading, a lot of it you would think is, common sense, like don't give them out, don't give out your personal identification to them, don't give them your social security number, things like that. A lot of these red flags, though, people might not be thinking when they're going into this because they're trying to have an automatic trust with this person. Uh, but one of the points that you make in this in this list, and I think is important for people to realize that sometimes even psychics have bad days, like even the most gifted, most brilliant psychic might have an off day and might have their own baggage that's, that's uh, weighing down a reading.
2: And, and this is this is why um, there aren't as many frauds out there as most people think. Uh, because when someone goes to a medium, and this is very sad that this happens, but I also trust that this is an experience that the person was supposed to have for whatever reason. When they go to a medium and it say it's their first experience, and they got it on a referral because this medium has given other people great readings, and they go there... And that medium was having a bad day. It's really sad because what a lot of people will do is they'll say, that's it. That, forget it. I'm never going to another medium. They're all a bunch of phonies. Um, I just got taken. And what's interesting, you know, I have a bestlikedirectory.com. we got over 800 psychics and mediums listed there. People will email me um, because of an experience that they weren't happy about before they'll tell the psychic or medium. You know, mm. we, we're such a polite society that we're afraid to tell somebody that they weren't good, right? Mm-hmm. That, that our reading was less than satisfactory. And it's really important that you give that person that feedback, and particularly during the reading. Don't say yes, yes, yes. I understand. If you don't understand, you want to immediately let, immediately let them know if the reading's not going well. Uh, sometimes uh, that's how they're gonna. The only way they're gonna find out that they're not having a good day. And and so if you let them know nothing's making sense, you say it's an hour reading. It's been 15 minutes. Certainly, let them know. Look, nothing really. You know, for the most part is making sense here and maybe we should stop the reading and do it another day and they're not going to charge you for that either you know the ones with the greatest integrity will give you a refund or they'll offer to do it another day
0: right i mean i was gonna say the, the converse of that is that the medium if they feel they're having that type of a day should tell you and be like listen i just i'm not feeling it today and i'm sorry i can't just uh... turn it on and off like that And Maybe we can do this another time or there's no charge. But you never really get enough of that uh, from a lot of these folks because they see it as not so much their gift but their time. Their time is money. And Thank so you. they find – and that's how I think we get into a lot of situations where, uh, you're, where people are getting cold red And when mm-hmm. people are going into these readings and, and getting – uh, the most basic generic readings is because the psychic, the medium, feels like they have to deliver something because they're charging for their time and they feel like they have to at least come out with something. I would rather go into a reading and have a psychic or a medium say, not getting anything, sorry, than to try and BS me for 20 minutes.
2: And, and, you know, but actually, I don't think it happens. I don't think it normally happens that way. What I was kind of saying a moment ago was, they don't realize it's not going well if the person doesn't tell them they're they're getting stuff in their head and the way it works Stephanie, she can tell you, you get stuff in your head and you're kind of trusting that the stuff that you're getting in the head is for this person and it's going to be valuable to them and they'll just keep going because thoughts are entering their mind and if it's not helpful, sometimes they could go for a complete hour giving this information to someone, not know it's not helpful to them if the person doesn't tell them. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. The second, the second thing is a lot of people will feed the medium, and that's where their intellect gets in the way. I don't think it's so much cold reading. as um, I, I, don't, I think it comes from inexperience, and I think the beginner psychics and mediums don't even realize how much... Their cold reading mm-hmm. if anybody even understands that but they're kind of letting their intellect uh, draw some conclusions more than using their intuition they, I think a lot of the beginners don't even realize how much they're allowing that to happen uh, and that's because they're beginners
0: well you've mentioned training and experience uh, quite frequently do you feel that this ability is inherent in all people and that somebody could learn if they are trained by the right person and, and can develop this gift
2: I can. Uh, I do believe that. And and, and I'll say, all the people that I've got readings from, I have had people who have have been trained uh, somewhat, didn't do a lot of training, and the teachers told me, the reason I ended up getting a reading from them was because their teachers told me this person is a prodigy. They're amazing. They have an amazing natural ability. But um, they didn't have a lot of experience, and their training you know, was brief. They, they didn't continue with their training. So what I'm trying to say is I have had people with amazing natural ability uh, that didn't give me as good a reading as someone with not, not amazing, not necessarily a real natural ability, but had a desire to to you know, learn spirit communication as a medium. Went through a lot of training, a lot of experience. We have one of the things that's not as popular in this society that I think should be is what's called the medium circle. This is where a bunch of mediums get together, maybe four to eight, um, get together. They sit in a circle and they just keep reading one another over time, always trying to get somebody new that they that they've never read before, so they don't know this information about the person and and this is one of the ways that they train they train with each other rather than with other people and and a lot of times they can more than one uh... medium will get the same information so they'll recognize yeah that's we're both getting that uh... they learn a lot by working with one another this doesn't happen as commonly in this country as it does say in england very popular in england uh, but yeah i found i found some people that i thought I could tell their natural ability wasn't really there, but they had worked so hard at training uh, and, and they had a lot of experience in giving readings in one way or another that their readings that they gave me were much better than the people with natural ability. And some of that comes from structure. There is a proper structure that you should take, especially if you're a medium, that you should follow to make a reading good. The worst readings that I've had, regardless of ability, is is when they're all over the place. Uh, Oh, you know this this person in spirit's giving me this message. Oh, I'm getting another message from somebody else. I don't know who it is. Oh, now you know now your aunt's coming through. And then half the time they're giving me messages and they don't know who it came from. And then sometimes they're switching from mediumship. To psychic ability, and they're giving me psychic information, and they're, you know, yeah, a lot of the stuff is accurate, but it's, it's so random and so all over the place that it, it ends up, it's not helpful to me or anybody else, and it ends up being a lousy reading.
0: Well, the uh, you have mentioned a few times, of course, the Best Psychic Directory, which is the website that you've put together where not only have you uh, given a certain amount, your stamp of approval, the ones that you've tested, but people can go on there and they can offer up their own reviews and opinions uh, about that. Now, m- my question to you is that when you're putting that up there, how do you regulate that in a way of making sure that it's a, a rating for somebody who actually has had a reading from that psychic and not, you know, some of this petty stuff where one might be disparaging another or somebody's friend is talked you know, putting up a negative review of somebody else. How do you monitor those reviews and make sure that they're authentic?
2: Yeah, it took a lot of it took a lot of forethought to do that. I actually only put up positive reviews. Okay. And the reason is because I had had enough experience. I didn't start the directory until 2007. I had had enough experience where um, there's a reality to people are much quicker to complain than they are to write something positive about somebody. You know? um, it's kind of like uh, complaint letters if you're a business, getting complaint letters versus you know, somebody writing about one of your employees doing a great job. Uh, you're more likely to get the complaint letter. Well, this is true for psychics and mediums as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, I didn't want this to be a place where there would be all this negative, uh, energy. What I wanted was if somebody is really good, uh, it's hard enough. It's, it is hard to get someone to write something about you and actually put their name on it. On my site, you have to put your first and last name. Um, and, uh, and so, what I wanted people to be able to do is, if they're trying to decide, say, between two or three mediums, and they see one has no no reviews at all, which, and again, reviews would mean positive testimonials, uh, another one has 10, and another has 150, it's going to be pretty easy for you to make the decision as to which one you're going to go with. For someone to have 150 uh, positive reviews, Uh, is a really good sign. It's really difficult to get 150 people to say good things about you. Everybody can get their friends to do it. So if you get 10 or less, eh, you know, but if you start to get more than that, then you know that this is real people, general public out there who have found my site and are submitting uh, these reviews for people because they had such a great reading they can't wait to tell other people about it.
0: I, I wish I had 150 friends that could write positive reviews for me. My my Amazon book ratings would be a lot higher.
2: Yeah, exactly. See, there you go. That's a perfect example for it. Yeah, anybody who is an author recognizes what I'm talking about.
0: So, but not only do you uh, research uh, psychics and mediums, but you also research uh, people who have other such abilities, whether it be, you know, past life regressions, people who can, uh, maybe numerologists, people who work within uh, the same type of realm, but maybe not are are directly uh, psychics or mediums.
2: Yeah. So what happened was, um, after a couple of years... Working with mediums, and then and then I went from mediums to sort of all right, you know, there's a lot of psychics here. Let me learn about that ability as well. Um, and so after a couple of years of that, I I realized. You know, I wanted more. I wanted, to, I wanted more evidence of life after death. And I had heard about people having past life regressions. And it was something that I was still skeptical about. And that's the way it always works for me. Like, I can, I, what I call is, I go from skepticism to belief to knowing. And uh, we know what skepticism is. Uh, belief is, it turns out, you know, in my definition, belief is us having faith on what somebody else tells us. Uh, so that we can read a book or we can hear somebody's story or even this is kind of where religion sits because we have our religious leaders telling us this is what you should believe and then to get to a knowing we have to have a personal experience and so I was looking for another personal experience because actually getting a reading with a medium is a personal experience when you have a stranger telling you um, memories between your father and spirit and you that they couldn't possibly know uh, then that's a the personal experience. You're actually having a, a an emotional, visceral experience at that time. But I wanted another one, and uh, and and so when you have a personal experience, that's what gets you to what I call a knowing. I didn't make up the word. A lot of people use the word knowing, but I I uh, learned early on that there's a difference between a belief and a knowing, and the only way to get to knowing is through personal experience. So I now recognize that people had said that they had these successful past life regressions, but I didn't really know if I believed in it. Um, I thought at best, maybe they really did have an experience, but I didn't think it would work for me. So what do you do? You have to go out and test it for yourself. And I did, and I was actually surprised that the very first experience I had was an absolutely amazing experience, and it brought me to knowing about past life uh, past life regressions which also taught me about past lives which was all about the afterlife because that's what I was trying to study and uh, I learned that of course if I really believe that this was a past life that I experienced and when I say experience it's more of a memory but it's a multi sensory memory uh, where I could smell things I could see things I could even taste things and I could feel what it felt like to be in the body of that guy in 1643 and um, I, it, 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 that also brought me to a and but what's interesting about it when you have an experience like that is you recognize uh, it becomes so sacred to you, and and it becomes like uh, what's the word like so you know you know it at a soul level you, you know you know it at a, like at, at the core of yourself that this was real this wasn't something that you just imagined. And yet what happens is it gets to the point where it doesn't even matter now if anybody else believes you or not. It's, you're not trying to overcome anybody else's skepticism. It was all, always about your own. And this was a real pivotal point in my uh, spiritual growth, uh, was to have that, that experience. Uh, and it brought me to that place where I came to a knowing and recognized this is my truth. This is my knowing. It, and it doesn't matter if it's anybody else's. And uh, mine is perfect. And yours is perfect, uh, even if our, our truths are miles apart. Uh, and I do believe there's a universal truth, but I don't think that our brains are able to actually fathom the universal truth. And this is why people who have had near-death experiences will come back and say, I really can't explain what it was like there, but I'll do my best. Uh, I believe that, just like I was saying earlier with the mediums interpreting things, I think the human brain uses its own experiences and education and beliefs to interpret all the things that we experience on our own. And yet, it it... This is why you can, five people can experience the same thing, and they'll all tell you a little bit of different story. I learned this as a private investigator. I would investigate uh, a car accident, investigate five different people, and they would all sort of tell me the same story. I know what happened during that accident, but they would tell it to me a little bit differently. The details from each person was a little bit different. And this is what happens when we have our spiritual experiences as well. Spirituality is subjective.
0: We are talking with Bob Olson. He is an afterlife investigator and uh, psychic medium researcher. And... I guess people go into a lot of these readings, though. And Stephanie, I'm sure you've experienced it too as well. They go into there with, in some cases, a false idea of what they can expect to happen. You know, they think that they're going to be able to walk in and ask their grandmother, you know, where the where the hidden jewelry is. They're going to think that they're going to be able to go in there and find out if they are going to fall in love with who and when. Uh, what what are the reasonable expectations that people should have when going to see a psychic or a medium?
2: Uh, such a great question, Tim, uh, because you're right. Uh, this is where a lot of people get disappointed. They, they, their expectations are too high. What, what's reasonable to expect is that um, a good medium will be able to tell you uh, basically the relationship. So is it your father? You know, Sometimes they might just say it's a father figure because sometimes we might have an uncle who sort of was a father figure to us. And they're sort of at that same level, so the medium might not recognize whether it's a father or an uncle. They'll say father figure. But in most cases, they'll know, uh, especially the, the the better mediums will say, okay, it's your father, it's your grandmother. Um, and they'll tell us who it is. They'll usually be able to give us uh, the first name. At, at, at the very least, they should be able to give you the first letter of the first name. And the reason is because Mike and Mark, to a medium, sounds very much the same. Uh, the way they're hearing it, it's kind of a bad radio station. And, and that's the way it's coming through. Now, they get messages in all sorts of different ways. So if if their clear audience, then they're hearing it, and, and Mike and Mark might be very difficult for them to tell the difference. And they might tell you, I'm getting either Mike or Mark, or I'm getting uh, a name that begins with M. Sometimes, though, uh, if, if they see things, if, the, if you know, they're clairvoyant, then they might see a picture of someone they know whose name is Mike, and then they'll be really, it'll be easy for them to just tell you what that person's name is. Uh, but first letter, first name, usually not both. I have seen some mediums be able to give you the first and last name. They'll be able to tell you what their physical appearance was like, what their personality was like. Sometimes they'll actually be able to talk in the vernacular that that person talked with my father was a truck driver and the best mediums that i i uh, had readings with would be able to actually talk the way he talked you know and i knew it was my father coming through um they'll be able to tell me things about his personality that uh... everybody that knew him knew uh... things that he did my father was a smoker usually they could smell the smoke and i'm smelling a lot of smoke you know i don't know if he was a smoker oh yeah that was you know that was him and They'll usually be able to tell you how that person died. At the very least, they'll be able to say, uh, you know, I'm feeling a lot of congestion in my chest right now. So it's something in the chest, either lung cancer or maybe a heart problem. That's usually how things, you know, if it was a car accident, they'll usually say, I'm kind of, my head hurts. I'm feeling like maybe it was an impact to the head. Uh, So they might not say car accident, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't, but they might say impact to the head. They might tell you uh, when they're trying to get the career, they might say, you know, he was uh, a police officer, and if he was a security guard, you know, you have to understand, it just uh, sometimes military type uniform just looks the same to everyone. Sure. Not
0: everybody knows what it, what, it, uh, what the particulars are. I mean, if somebody showed me, you know, the insignia on, on their shoulder, I wouldn't know necessarily what it means uh, That's myself. It. But you, you made me think of something when you were talking about being able to, uh, you know, speak in some of the vernacular of your father. What about those who channel? Is, is channeling a, a legitimate phenomenon?
2: Yeah, believe it or not, it's the same thing. This is a progression for me. It wasn't until years later that I really got into channels. Channeling is a, a – it is, but it's not very evidence-based. So uh, it's not going to help you. If you're skeptical, you know, I don't recommend it that be one of the first experiences that you have because uh, where mediums are communicating with our loved ones in spirit, channels are usually communicating with um, – more advanced type of spiritual beings that are only, uh, channeling information to, to transfer wisdom to us. Uh, a lot of times it'll be, uh, group entities. So, it's not just one person in spirit, but it's a group of spirits. They have different names for them. It doesn't really matter. There's sort of these advanced spirits. They might call them ascended masters or something. But they're a group spirit. They might even call themselves by one name. I mean, probably the most famous one out there is Abraham. But it's a group entity. And really what they're doing is they're teaching us uh, higher wisdom, things that we can use in our life, But they're not going to give us really any evidence that we can look back and go, oh, yeah, this is true, this is true, this is true, um, that anything we can verify, we sort of have to take what they're saying as truth. But when you hear it, uh, it, there are always messages that come from a higher place, messages of love, messages of forgiveness, nothing that's a fearful message. If something's coming through fearful, then it's not accurate because it always comes through in a positive light.
0: Well, this is just the tip of information that you can get in our guest Bob Olson's new book. It is entitled Answers About the Afterlife, a private investigator's 15-year research unlocks the mysteries of life after death. And, of course, he discusses it on his website, on spirit.com, on afterlifetv.com, and you can check it out uh, for yourself. Definitely go to the sites. They're linked up on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com as well. You can also get the book directly there as well from Amazon. Uh, Before we let you go, we only have a few minutes left here in the program, Bob, but i got to ask you. Yeah. Bob Olson needs some questions answered. He needs to, to reach out and make a communication with Spirit, and he can go see one medium. Who does he go to see?
2: <laughs> you know what? Here's what I'm going to say. I wouldn't even tell you that because the one medium that I would go see is not the one medium that would be best for you. Uh, just, you know, personality makes such a big difference in how the reading is given so the person that I would like wouldn't necessarily be the person that you like and I would be doing a disservice if I put out a certain name out there um, for for everybody to go
0: go to. Believe it or not, that was the answer I was hoping for.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good.
0: I wanted it. I wanted to make sure that we ex- uh, extend to people the idea that it, it is a personal connection, and no matter what happens when you go out and you see some of these other people get read in a group setting in a gallery setting, it's all about who can make that personal connection with you. That's uh, right. It, it, right. Same same thing as going to see a doctor, going to see a psychologist, uh, going to see a bartender. You know, sometimes you go to a certain bar just because the bartender. Well, mm-hmm. and has yeah. the advice that you need to hear. So that's that's what it's all about. Not not that I want to compare you to a bartender, Stephanie, but
1: well, I was <laughs> <one> that's <laughs> exactly
0: but why I don't want to do it. I,
1: think <laughs> I have one last question.
0: We um, are about a minute left. So. I know
1: you do. I'm watching the time. After all of this research, after coming up with your own training, which you know I'm, I'm reading your website, I think is fantastic, and having such a great grasp, have you ever tried to communicate with the other side yourself?
2: Yeah, yeah I did I was really horrible at it Really? <laughs> I, yeah i I, was, I did a, a psychic development workshop early on in my career and um uh, in, in this field and uh, i they they hooked us up with our like other people. And I felt so bad because the guy that I teamed up with did a great job, and I actually got nothing. I just felt so guilty about it. But, no, I, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> That's
0: so, too ne- funny. Needless to say, we won't find your name under the reviewed psychics on bestpsychicsdirectory.com. <laughs> no,
2: no, no, you wouldn't. Not at all.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Bob, for joining us. It was great talking with you, and hopefully you can join us again sometime for a complete two-hour program.
2: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Tim. Nice talking with you. Stephanie and uh, the two maps back as well. Here. Thank you too. Thank you. All right. Have a great night. Thank you again. Uh, you too. Bye-bye now.
0: And that is Bob Olson. Again, you can check out his website on spirit.com, uh, also best afterlifetv.com, com, afterlife tv.com and a few more. And the book once again is called Answers About the Afterlife. It's available from Amazon or wherever books are sold. That about does it for this week's show. We will be back next Saturday night when our guest will be Matt Frazier. He is a psychic and medium himself. We are talking about Psychic September here on Spooky South Coast, so you want to stay tuned each week as we explore that world. We want to thank you all for listening, and uh, follow us on Twitter, at SpookySC. And until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.